Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to leaders of all stages and all ages about what it takes to pay the price of leadership. And today, I am so excited to introduce my special guest, James H. Carpenter Barnes, Dr. Barnes. He is a Christian American author and public speaker. He writes supernatural fiction thrillers and nonfiction books on scriptural-based personal development. His mission is to inspire all of creation to become more like the creator. We love that here. James, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so honored to be a part of what you're doing, touching lives, changing lives. That's what it's all about. That is the ministry of reconciliation, bringing humanity in connection with the Creator for us to begin to imitate Him, to duplicate the part of Him that is within us, within other people. That Nothing else really matters in this life, but duplicating the Spirit of God within us, within others, and sharing it and enhancing lives. Unbelievable. And for the listeners out there, I actually met James two weeks ago in Santa Monica, California, when I was out there for a film, the Ethos Film Festival, and got to see a documentary premiered, which many of you that are followers have heard about. And I got to meet James and see a documentary he created, which hopefully we're going to talk about a little bit at the end. But it's been a wild two weeks, James. And what a blessing, how providential that we got to connect at that event. That was a blessing. And just between me, you, and the gatepost, as they used to say in the South, you are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> You're tremendous, James. All right, well, let's get started. For the listeners out there, they love hearing all about what different leaders have gone through in their journey. Leadership is one of the toughest things we're going to do, but it is such a beautiful calling and a triumph. And my father gave a speech called The Price of Leadership, probably the top speech that he ever gave. And in it, he unpacks the four things that you're going to encounter as a leader if you're going to actually be paying the price of leadership and not just be calling yourself a leader. And James, the first one he talked about was loneliness. And we've all heard that it's lonely at the top or heavy is the head that wears the crown. But can you unpack for our listeners what the loneliness and leadership means for you, maybe a season when you were in it and any words of counsel that you would give to them? First of all, loneliness is very different than being alone. Loneliness is an emotional state that you're in 
being alone is a physical condition and it's temporary that you can change at any given time. But loneliness is different. There is a separation between that person and those that are around them. And the reason for that is for you to learn the importance of hearing the voice of the Creator. If you're a spiritual leader, you have to be able to hear the voice of the Creator, of the Spirit of God. You have to be able to hear clearly. And that's one of the reasons a lot of leaders have difficulty in making crucial decisions because there's so many voices they're hearing. They're hearing so many different sounds. The scriptures say that there are many voices and none of them are without signification. And many of the voices that we hear are not the voice that we need to be listening for. So I learned early on in my walk as a believer and as I began ministry back in 1982, which 40 years this year, the first thing I learned was loneliness because I lived in a car on the lakefront of Chicago and I would sleep at the Field Museum. I slept in the Museum of Science and Industry parking lot, Shed Aquarium's parking lot every night. I'd have to move around to three different locations before the sun came up because the police kept making me move. Mm-hmm. Some nights I would be in the car. I used to read the concordance <laughs> or my Bible. And one night a police officer came up. He tapped on the window. It was raining. It was real heavy rain. And my car is sitting over in the cut. So he came over. He tapped on the window. I had my Bible. He said, are you reading the Bible? I said, yes, I am. He looked at the Bible. And he looked at me. And he said, well, you can't stay here. You're going to have to move. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, officer, I moved on, went to my other location. And so the thing about loneliness is it's a mechanism that God uses in any person that is of any significance in the earth. And the reason for that, he wants us to have, understand the importance of our dependence on him. Because when you don't go through that preparation, it's like you're susceptible to external input that can discolor your spirit, discolor your focus. It can fog your clarity of your vision, which we're going to talk about. But the beginning point is the loneliness. And loneliness, Mm. once you adapt, is really an excellent place to be. Because if you think about it, Jesus, in his walk in the earth, He was lonely, but he was never alone. And he would go apart to be in solitude, to be with the Father, to communicate with the Father. So his personal solitude, if you notice, the Bible never talks about what Jesus said when he would go apart to pray. He never talked about it. The scriptures didn't mention it. The disciples didn't write about it because they didn't know. They wrote about everything else, but they couldn't write about that. And what that means is your solitude is very personal. It's between you and the creator. And that mechanism of loneliness is part of the attrition because it hones away the desire for popularity. It hones away the desire to be seen and to be recognized. It hones away and it hones you to a fine edge where when you go through that, You're a different person when you're done with that loneliness process. James, unpack for me, okay, a little bit about your background. How did the Bible wind up in your car with you? 
Were you raised in a church or how did this book wind well, up with you in that car? What happened to me, I used to be a drug dealer. I was a musician. I played in the band. I was a, first of all, let me say this. I was a pre-med student at DePaul University. And I was beginning my, ending my junior year, beginning, into my junior year. And my brother had a band. I'm a musician as well. And my brother, they needed a guitar player. I was supposed to go play tennis with Dr. Kruzak at Midtown Tennis Club. He was going to help me get into medical school. And I was supposed to play tennis with him and a couple of judges. So I was moving into a different world. And I went back into music. When I went back into music, I got back into drugs because I wasn't a believer. And so what happened, I wound up moving into an apartment where there had been some type of ritual that took place there. The people told me later, after I went through my ordeal, they told me that some, a woman had been murdered in that apartment. So while in that apartment, some evil forces got a hold of me. And that was what the creator used to get my attention, say, hey, you need to make a change and you need to make it now. Because many of us know that crisis is the catalyst for change. And until that crisis happens, many of us skip to Malu right along through life thinking everything's okay. Mm. And then you wind up in a bad spot. And at that point, I couldn't stay in that apartment. So I wound up living in my car that entire summer of 1982. And the Lord blessed me finally with uh, another apartment like in September of that same year. But during that time, June, July, August, into September, I lived in the car. I would go to this place called Soul Queen Restaurant. I would eat all I could hold in that one meeting because it was all you could eat. But I'd go there once a day and I would get stuffed. And I didn't go back to my mom's house. I didn't go there. I went there. I lived in the car. I ate at Soul Queen. And I would go to my mom's, take a shower or whatever. But I would leave. And I spent my time fasting and praying and reading and studying. I fasted on Tuesdays. I would fast Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and all day Sunday. So I fasted, that's all I did. Mm -hmm. But my growth was so rapid. From 1982 to, I started traveling as an evangelist in 1984. So it was a couple of years I began ministry. But I had to because of what I came out of. I mean, even in the apartment that I, that would be spirits walking through the house. And I had to learn to take dominion over these things. So that's why I know that loneliness is to hone you to a fine edge where you become a weapon, not only spiritually, but naturally as well. You're able to help other people because you've been there, you've done that, and you know how to deal with it. Yeah. I love that you called it the beginning point and that it's in a mechanism. And like you said, loneliness is different than being alone, but I have never heard it unpacked like that. And I love that. Don't we all have to get that desire for popularity and to see and be seen? Yes. That's what's driving all this mental illness and stuff going on now. This narcissism, stop. Yeah. And yeah. I love you drew to that, that God just got to get you alone, even yeah. if it's in a car. What better place than that? Wow. Yeah. 
Okay, so loneliness. The next thing my father talked about is weariness. And uh, he would joke and say, Tracy, it's you're always going to have some people do way more than what they need to do as a leader and a lot of people that do way less. And the buck stops with you. So you have to be able to make it all happen and be on your game. But how do you combat weariness and how do you stay strong, James? Without going too far ahead, because mm-hmm. it's one of these work in tandem. There's something in scripture called compound conjunction. And that's when in scripture you'll see and the spirit of love and joy and peace. And that and is what's called a compound conjunction. And what that means is each component is linked by that conjunction, but it needs that to rest upon the next adjective of interpretation. So each description rests upon the other. So loneliness rest upon weariness, rest upon the next one, and so on. And so weariness, the scripture says, be not weary in well-doing. And the reason for that is because there's going to be challenges that come to dissuade you, to discourage you. And the reason Paul wrote that, be not weary, is because he'd experienced the frustration. He'd experienced being tired in his body. His spirit is willing, but his flesh is weak. And we all experience that. And we have to keep in the forefront of our minds that we have an assignment. We have a mission. We have a vision, be it sales, be it as a writer, be it as in television or movies or music or teaching or taking care of children, dealing with special needs, children, special circumstances. You're going to need that because there are going to be people that fail you, that let you down. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times you're going to have to do your part and theirs. You cannot allow the fatigue or the lackadaisical disposition of another dissuade your fire and your passion because passion is the fuel that enables you to keep going with your vision when the circumstances have gone against you, when the situation has turned sour, it's no longer sweet and its taste is no longer Enjoy. There's no more people saying, wow, that's awesome what you're doing. Oh my gosh. Oh, I wish I could do that. None of that's happening. You're in the dark now. You're in the dark place. You're dealing with loneliness, tired. You're weary. Cannot become weary if you're knowing that you're doing well. Mm-hmm. And then the scriptures also say, let patience have her perfect. Let patience have her perfect work. The reason James wrote her is because women nurture and bring forth life. And that was the reason he used that pronoun. He could have said it, he could have said him, but he said her. And the reason for that is because patience enables you to endure the weariness and the loneliness. Again, it's honing you and preparing you and prepping you for that which is to come, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Well, I love how you took weariness and put patience into it. Because a lot of times it's, you got to say suited up and strong. Yes, you do. But a lot of times patience, perfect Mm -hmm. work. Oh, Mm -hmm. I love that, brother. Thank you so much. Okay, loneliness, weariness. Now, the next term he used is abandonment. And I think a lot of times people think about abandoning a marriage or abandoning a child or a pet. It has a negative connotation. But in the price of leadership context, my father talked about 
that you need to stop doing what you like and want to do in favor of what you ought and need to do. And I can remember looking at him and saying, how'd you get so successful? And he would say to me, Tracy, I do more in a day to contribute to my failure than my success. And he kept honing in, honing. You have to be focused. There's all these other distractions. You talked about the voices. And he talked about abandonment, that you have to stay hyper-focused on your purest calling. And like you said, these are building on each other. James, how do you, you've been through a lot of different things and a lot of different as an evangelist, you're a writer, you've done these different things. How do you abandon and stay on point and on focus? The thing I remember is this about abandonment is there's the twofold thing. There's withdrawing or Mm -hmm. shedding. And there's also the abandonment of people leaving you. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And the example of Christ I always use Jesus as the example because he's so perfect. He's <laughs> yes, such a he is. <laughs> example. And when we think about the abandonment, a lot of times we, we hear scripture and we see it depicted in film where the night that Jesus was betrayed, Judas came with the 30 pieces of silver, betrayed him with a kiss upon the cheek, and Peter cut off the soldier's ear, and Jesus healed it, and he told him, don't you know I can call 12 legion of angels if I wanted to, and my father would wipe out the planet if need be. The thing was, they abandoned him. Most crucial point of God's plan for man of reconciliation, creating a system to propitiate men from sin and reconcile us back to the creator. They cut and run. They scattered and ran. Why? Because they had to. Because if they'd hung around and fought, they would have impeded the sacrifice that needed to take place at Calvary. Mm -hmm. If they had hung around, they would have been a hindrance rather than a help in God's plan for mankind. Mm -hmm. So it is with the things we have to shed in this life. When I became a believer, I loved music. I was one of the best guitar players in Chicago, at least in my opinion. And so I gave all my equipment away. I gave my guitar away. I gave everything away to my younger brother, to other guys in the band I was playing with. We were in the recording studio. We were recording with one guy that was the band leader for the Emotionists who toured with Earth, Wind & Fire. And we had the horn section from the Commodores. We were in the studio doing recording. When I got saved, I said, hey, I'm done with this. I'm out. And my brother was devastated because I used to write a lot of the music for the band. And it just threw things in disarray, but I'm sorry. But I had to abandoned them. And in a sense, they had to move away because I needed to launch out into a place where they couldn't go. And there was nobody else in the boat with me, but the Spirit of the Lord and His Word was on that sea of loneliness and weariness. I'm out there by myself and I had to let these things go. And the reason you have to let them go is because they will be an anchor, a hindrance. Paul wrote in the book of Hebrews to lay aside the weight and the sin. Now, weights aren't necessarily sin. He said weights and sin, which means they're two different things, the weight and the sin. So the weights can be people, places, things, habits, things that you enjoy. It could be your diet. It could be your best friend. It could be your parents. It could be your job. It could be a hobby that you have. It could even be something religious. Right. Tied to a religious organization, but it's a hindrance to what you have been assigned to do. And you have to let be willing to abandon things and to allow 
people to abandon you. Because in the long run, the scripture says, be not weary in well-doing. You will reap if you faint not. Just as Jesus told the rich young ruler, you've done all these things up to this time. The scripture said Jesus looked on that rich young ruler and he loved him. He said, but there's one thing you lack. You need to sell all your wealth and riches, give it to the poor, take up your cross and follow me. He said, you've asked a hard thing. In other words, in today's vernacular, he was saying, look, man, look, I understand what you're saying, but do you know how much money I have? Do you know how rich I am? Do you know how much Bitcoin I got, how much gold I have? Do you realize what kind of billions of dollars that I have? You want me to give it up and go carry a cross? I'm sorry, I can't. He wasn't willing to abandon the wealth. And Jesus told the disciples were like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. If that's the case, who can be saved? Jesus said, anybody that gives up mother, father, sister, brother, houses, land in this life for my sake and the gospels will receive a hundredfold in this life. Beautiful. So when we allow ourselves to not only be abandoned, because sometimes that abandonment opens the door for a replacement. It's kind of like a spaceship. A spaceship has two or three stages. And that first stage falls off because it's no longer needed. It becomes a hindrance. Once it has expended its fuel capacity, it falls off. The second stage, the same thing. It served its purpose to launch that capsule into the ionosphere, into beyond the Earth's atmosphere. Now it doesn't need as much fuel because there's no gravity. Need more energy to break the barrier of the Earth's atmosphere. It takes more energy, more power, a different type of power, a different type of energy to lift a movement, a work, a business, a dream, a vision from ground zero into the lofty places. It doesn't get there overnight. you got to expend that level of passion, that level of support. And when it's done, it served its purpose. It's nothing against who or what it was that carried you there. It served its purpose. And then it goes forward. And quiet as it's kept, eventually you're going to fall off and someone else is going to take up. If it's a work of the Lord, if it's a work of the kingdom of God, you're going to fall off because you will have served your purpose. I love that you really, uh, first of all, as an amateur astronomer, I love the spaceship analogy and sci-fi fan. Our listeners know that. But I love that you talked about that. And I love the fact that when you talk about abandonment, I hope this really gives our listeners, I hope it gives you sad for your soul because a lot of us think about somebody was in my life and then they left or I had to leave somebody. And you're right. It's not just us doing the shedding. Sometimes we get shed. And like when Jesus said to his disciples, you can't come with me. I'm sure that was not a fine conversation because they're like, what do you mean we can't? I'm going to a place where you can't go. What do you mean? Exactly. Rabbi, yeah. teacher, you're supposed to be doing this. <laughs> so I love that you really talked about that. I hope for our listeners out there, if you can look back to people that were in your life for a season and they're not there anymore. And sometimes it was a good separation. Other times, like a rocket ship, it was a violent falling away or whatever. Like you said, James, there's always a reason for it. Always. Understand that reason. And I love that you talked about in the trajectory. And then we'll have our place where the people coming, we're helping lift other little rocket ships off, watching yeah. Elon Musk yeah. exactly. setting off all his stuff. And then it's off for you to go do off into glory and for the next person to come up. I'm going to listen to this section like again and again. Just I could sit and listen to you for hours, James. What's interesting, what's really powerful 
Tracy, is this. Dr. Tracy, once you break free of the earthly realm, your dad's already done it. Then you can really accelerate to the immeasurable vastness that our creator is still creating. Physicists have proven the universe is growing at an accelerated rate. God is still creating. There's a reason for that because we have assignments. Once we leave this earth, there are other things. Our life doesn't, this physical body stops, but we do not stop in him because we're connected to the Zoe of God, which is the life of God. And so this is just a launching pad to take us to the higher heights and the deeper depths of the creation. When you stop and you think about that, that the life we live here, even the way we handle our money, the way our discipline, our qualities, all of that goes with us. We don't That's leave. what we're going to be doing in heaven. Yeah. yeah, I tell people, do you want to be unemployed in heaven? No. Then you better get to work right now because what he's honing for you right now is what you're going to be doing for yes. all eternity. So yes. this is the proving ground. And if yes. you do it down here in this age where it's not meant to be because we're going to be doing it for an eternity and perfection. We're being prepared. Yes. Plain and simple. Plain yes. and simple. I love it. Okay. Loneliness, weariness, abandonment, which we could go on and on for that. But the last one is vision. And James, I vision I has this Jesus or some of these people that think otherworldly. But my father would always say, Tracy, vision is nothing more than seeing what needs to be done and doing it. And Jesus said that too. The harvest is full, but the laborers are few. There's so mm-hmm. much out there to do. So vision is yeah. not just seeing it, but there's this execution putting it into action. Okay. So can you share with our listeners how you continue to hone your vision and keep propelling to the next level? Vision is crucial. Vision is one, there's seven streams of revenue that exist. There's wisdom, vision, knowledge and its application, a good name, relationships, real estate and land and investments and silver and gold. And money. Money is number seven out of the seven. Number one is wisdom. Number two is vision. So vision is significance, number one, to acquiring and maintaining wealth. Why is that? Because to have vision enables you to see in the midst of the darkness of loneliness, in the midst of the darkness of weariness, in the midst of being abandoned, vision, it gives you a supernatural ability to see in the midst, you could be perfectly blinded. The reason vision is still able to see is because vision is within you. There's one thing to see, but to have vision, you can see it with your eyes closed or your eyes open. So when you're going through the dark places, when you're going through difficulty, just like you were saying, your dad would say, you see something that needs to be done. Well, sometimes if you don't have vision, you can't see what needs to be done because right. of the minutia you're surrounded by, the mm. noise you're surrounded by. You're so concerned about how lonely you are. You don't have any friends. You're so concerned about how tired you are. You're so concerned about who's left you, who's no longer working with you, who's no longer supporting you. I had people, they were giving, and now I, I don't have anybody. Yes, you do. The scripture says plainly, casting all care upon him, for he careth for you. So that is what is our hope in enabling us to consistently maintain our vision 
write the vision, make it plain, that seeth it can run with patience the race that is set before them. Who's going to see the vision? You're going to see it. Your angels see it. Whoever's walking with you can see it with their eyes closed or their eyes open. If they're blind in one eye and can't see out the other, they could still see that vision because it's inside. It's within you and nothing can get to it because it's protected by the girding of the loins of your mind. It's protected. It can't be affected. The Like I was saying earlier, with being able to make a decision. If you've got vision, you don't have a problem making a decision because you see clearly what needs to be done. Right. Jesus did not see. He did not perceive with the natural eyes of man. He saw as God saw. A vision is essential. Vision is the rope, the tie that ties the other three qualities, the four legs of that table of leadership. Vision is in the right corner, the cornerstone that ties the whole thing together. As long as you can see, as long as you can perceive, you don't have to worry about money. You don't have to worry about abandonment. You don't have to worry about loneliness. You don't have to worry about weariness because you can see yourself. You can see the light where there isn't a light. You can see it because you're seeing God's plan for your life in your vision, in your mind's eye. That's what we have to look at. That's what I've always looked at. I'm going to share something with you. 40 years ago, September 1982, I was in the prayer room at our church. And I thought at that time, it had been three months before that I was selling drugs. I'm ready to go forth now. I need $120,000 to fund my ministry. I had learned that much in those three months. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, I'm going to teach you how to invest your money to get that amount of money. Oh. I said, wow, great, awesome. Now, that was 1982. 1992 came, 2002 came. So I got in, into real estate. I was buying and selling real estate. So much real, I had real estate I didn't even see that I owned. I was buying and selling silver bullion coin. I had real estate with tenants. I had properties I was flipping. My head was this big. It was so big, I could hardly get in a car. I had to like slide in the car. My head had gotten so big. And God allowed that. He allowed me to have all of that and then lose it all. Now, fast forward, 82, say 92, 02, 2012, 2022. God revealed, gave me the opportunity, was nothing I did. It just, he put me in the spot. Like I said, when God puts you, he'll put you in that spot for something that he wants you to have when you're ready for it. He put me in a position where I will very soon have that money that he promised me, that's not going to do with anything else. This was a hunk of money I asked for. He put me in a position where I will have that money. Now, what's interesting, I did the math on it, and $120,000 in 1982 is $340,000 in 2022 money, which is the exact amount that I'll have. Wow. It wasn't because I was, now I used to trade stocks. I did options. I made money. But I didn't make money. Like I didn't have to do anything. God did it. My point is, when you go through these things and you maintain your vision, I maintain my focus of serving. I've always been a servant. I've yeah. always sought to help. I was never called to be a pastor. 
I never tried to be a pastor. My function was to serve whoever needed. At my church, I played guitar. I was a soul winner. I was a Sunday school teacher. I taught the 12-year-olds, the teenagers. I took the garbage out at the church. I did some of everything. I never sought to some great somebody. It just wasn't in me. Because even now, that's my nature is to serve. Like when I met you, I was serving Dr. Dentley. I got two television shows on his network. And he asked me to come out to be a part of what he was doing there because he knows how I am and the quality of work that I do. And when I'm committed to something, that's all I see. I don't worry about what someone else is doing or being weary. If I'm in a place of service, that is what I do. That's the reason I connected with you, because you have that heart to serve. And the scriptures say, and of all things in leadership, if you desire to be a leader and you don't have a heart to serve, to be the last one fed, to be the one to turn the lights out, to be the one there to open the door when things open up, then you need to think again about being a leader. Because the first prerequisite for being a leader, Jesus said, those who would be great among you, let him be the servant of all. Yes. James, that's absolutely beautiful. So James, we're wrapping it up with loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. What else have we not hit on? And I love how you've tied it together. You called it the table of leadership, that each of these are one of the legs. And just a beautiful, now I had never thought about it like that. Anything else that we have not touched on that you would like to share with our listeners? Yes, I would like to, whoever hears this, and there are people who've been designated to hear this. And I know that because of the calling that's on my life, my voice is for certain ears. And when the ears hear it, they'll recognize, there will be inner witness. Do not be discouraged in the good that you're doing. Do not be disheartened in the efforts that you put forth, the sacrifices that you've made, and the credit that you did not get. Monument has been set for you before the throne of the Creator. A monument with your name on it highlights the work that you've done. And you will move into the place that God has ordained because God is raising up those who are last to be first in these end times. So don't be discouraged. Be of good cheer. As Paul said, be of good cheer. Jesus said, be of good cheer. I'm coming aboard. We're going to go to shore. God Mm -hmm. is coming. He's going to meet you. He's going to visit you. And you're going to see a sudden acceleration and change in your life And this new coming year, it's a year of higher heights and maximum production. Boy, James, I love that. Thank you so much. Okay, so now you said you have a couple shows going on. How do people get in touch with you, James? Because I know our listeners are going to want to connect with you. I have two shows on the JD3 network. And right now they're updating the network. So I don't know if they're taking it offline or what. But it will be on Roku. Also, I'm on YouTube. I'm also on Creative Motion Television, on the Now Network, and ADTV have shows on there as well. You can go to our life-imagine.org. Okay. We also have a nonprofit, the YouBelongFoundation.org. The YouBelong Foundation is a foundation where we serve the needs and we provide services and resources to members of the special needs community and their families a special needs son, Christian. And so we endeavor to reach out to encourage the parents of special needs children because many times 
They feel alone. They feel abandoned. They mm. feel isolated. And they need to know that they are not alone. That is our slogan. You are not alone. I love so that. That's our focus. Okay. We're going to put all that in the show notes, but I got to tell you something, James. I just, there's a couple of things you said that just so ignited my soul. And I just thank you for the wisdom, for your walk, for using your talents to glorify God. And you certainly achieved your goal of helping me want to be more like his creation, be more like the creator. So I just can't thank you enough for your wisdom. I know our listeners are going to be very blessed and I look forward to, it's only been two weeks, brother, but if this is the pace it's going to be on, that's all right by me. All right, then. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. And for our listeners out there, thank you so much for being part of our tremendous tribe. If you enjoy today's podcast, please do us the honor of getting on to wherever you listen. Give us a five-star review, hit the like button, be sure and subscribe, and also share so others leaders out there can understand what it takes to pay the price of leadership. Thank you again, James, for being a part of today's discussion. And to our tremendous leaders out there, you have a tremendous day and keep on paying the price of leadership. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.